very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of GrowingDentist.com. I'm super excited today because I have a dear friend and somebody I respect a lot, Catherine Eitel Belt, and she's the founder of LionSpeak.net. Catherine, welcome. Thank you, Naren. It's great to be with you. Catherine, I was thinking maybe a great way to kind of segue into this is um, for you to kind of give a one or two minute overview of you, but more importantly, talk about, you know, how over the years you came to the realization that you are amazingly good at communication and how you built your business around the three, what you call the three, you know, um, pillars of communication and how you kind of cater to all those three different areas? Uh, sure. Um, I think the short story is um, I started in dentistry as a chairside dental assistant and then eventually moved up to the administrative area and um, ultimately was managing a, a busy um, multi-location practice. And um, from there, I went into consulting and uh, eventually uh, founded my own consulting firm. So for several decades, I was a practice management consultant, a general, a generalist, we would call it, um, just a general practice management consultant, and I loved it. Um, I, I had one frustration, though, in that work, and that was um, that a lot of times I would go visit a client help them uh, present some information and some suggestions, and it all seemed great, and it seemed like they were all on board for it, but then I would come back a few months later, and it was almost like I had never been there um, because nothing had really changed. And so it was frustrating for me, and I'm sure it was frustrating ultimately for the clients, and um, uh, through a series of going back to them and questioning and find, getting some really, really terrific people that gave me some honest feedback, what I discovered is that while I had good information and I had good suggestions and content, I had no clue how to teach very well. So all I was doing was what we call fire hosing people with information uh, in such a way that they actually couldn't digest it very well and they weren't really learning it. So, and they had no say in, they had no voice in how to build it. And so I just began a long uh, course of study on adult learning and how the adult brain actually makes change. And what that created in my consulting business was nothing short of miraculous. I started having a much better time. Clients were enjoying the, the training sessions much more and my results went, their results went through the roof and my company really expanded. So from that, uh, some colleagues took notice and they asked me to um, put together a workshop on just the techniques, of, not on my content, they had their own content, but, um, but they wanted to learn how to teach it in this way. And so um, about eight years ago, I began sort of a second lane in my business. So for many years, I was a practice management consultant, but I was also teaching these workshops for trainers and ultimately speakers, basically a train the trainer and a train the speaker program. And about 18 months ago, it just was all becoming too much. Um, it was great success, but sometimes success can present its own set of problems. And so I just kind of stepped back and said, okay, you know, I can't do all of this anymore. 
um, what are the pieces that, number one, I'm best at, that comes naturally to me, um, and what do I love the most? What do I get the most joy from, and what do clients comment on that's the, the most value to them? And hands down, it was the communications coaching part of that work. And so um, as of 18 months ago, we rebranded my company. Uh, we have a brand-new website. Uh, that I think makes it much clearer what we do. And I guess the easiest way to describe it, as you said, are these sort of three pillars of communication coaching. One pillar would be patient or customer-facing communications. So we do a lot of work in that pillar on telephone skills, on financial conversations, um, chair-side conversations, any kind of customer-facing conversations, we coach it. The second pillar would be team communication. So uh, anything from a leader or owner of a business or manager within a business or practice that wants to communicate better with their teams uh, and be better, better leaders, uh, then we do a self-leadership communications workshops and lots of different avenues to get that information, but a lot of coaching around that. We also um, coach company culture. So a lot of um, work about how teams are together and just helping people grow individually and mature in their communication so that they're seen as not just leaders in their company or departments, but, but also just in life, you know, that they, that, that, they're, that, they're, that they leave a legacy with the children at their dinner table or the, the people in their church groups or where, where their communities, you know, wherever they're in their neighborhoods, that, that they speak in such a way that people, that, that people are inspired and um, feel clear about, you know, what, what they're saying. And so we coach that. Uh, and then the third pillar would be training other trainers and training other speakers, anything from the owner of a, of a business that needs to, you know, have a sort of an executive level understanding of how to speak well in public. Um, all the way to people who make a living as a trainer or make a living as a speaker. Um, so uh, in that pillar, we're doing a lot of corporate work and, of course, a lot of speak, uh, ind you know, independent speakers and trainers come through that. So that's really sort of an overview of what we do, and, and we love it, and we're just uh, so happy to have uh, had that moment a few years ago where we said, gosh, let's focus, you know, let's really focus on what we're good at because there's so many great practice management consultants, and I refer to a lot of them uh, now um, when when a client needs that. But if someone just needs a really you know deep dive into particular communication skills, and we're that's what we specialize in. It's amazing. I mean, what you've done is you have simplified to multiply. You know, you have tried to kind of zoom into that one thing that you are amazingly good at. That I guess it's overnight success, 30 years in the making, and then try yeah. to become creating that one thing. Yeah. It's immensely satisfying, I think, to clients and to me um, and the people who work for me um, because we're super clear on it. And I think we're still getting, I think clarity is something you're always wanting to create. And so, um, right. you know, we're still defining and refining those programs, but, but it sure has uh, created the sliver of focus that um, makes it easy to make decisions. It makes it easy to know whether we're in really good alignment with clients or not and uh, be able to get those clients to where they really need to be. Um, and sometimes that's with us and sometimes it isn't. And so that's just made that 
easier to do for them. Yeah. Yeah. So you're married, your passion with something that clients really want. I mean, we look at marriages. Number one reason they end up in divorce is communication. You look yeah. patients. You know, the number one reason they don't accept treatment is, you know, because yeah, you talked at them, but they didn't buy into what you said, right? So mm-hmm. it didn't really help anybody. Or yeah. even teams that are fighting or that are not really working together. Yeah, part- partnerships fighting. that dissolve, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Exactly. So, yeah, so you married your passion that you really studied a lot about and went deep in along with something that's such a huge problem for so many practice owners and, you know, dentists. Let me... Um, let me kind of ask you something before I jump into this. So, of course, there are two things that I would like to talk to you, but perhaps only one today. Uh, the, the two are, you know, how can a practice communicate better with patients? And maybe we can do another podcast or a Facebook sure. live event around that. And um, the second thing which I would like to focus today is, you know, how can uh, a practice focus on, you know, communicating better with teams, right? The, the leader, the owner to the team members and, team members amongst themselves and so forth. But before I get into that, I want to ask you something. I was on your website and I, I, I saw this thing called the Lioness Principle and I've heard a few other people mention that also. Can you tell us a little bit about the Lioness Principle and, and also the way you named your business? Because it, again, is called Lion Speak, right? So if you can kind of shed some light on that before we jump in, that would be great. Yeah, well, I would love to say that it's because where my birthday falls is in the um, zodiac of Leo, um, but I think that was just a, a happy happy stance. Um, where, where that really came from is uh, one day I was watching a Discovery Channel program, which was about how lionesses teach their cubs to hunt, which of course is the one skill they need to survive and thrive. And it took you through these seven stages that scientists have determined that she takes her cubs through to move them from being dependent upon her for their life to being completely independent from her. And she has to do that in a very short window of time, and she has to do it, uh, you know, really within a very hostile environment. So, so she's very strategic about how she does it. And we've used the, we do use those seven st- stages or seven steps when we teach our leadership, our personal leadership uh, workshops, uh, when we, um, we work with you know, new office managers to get them the skills they need, those kinds of things. We even use it in our train the trainer when we're training people how to, how to be a better teacher and, and an educator and trainer. Um, so we use those steps, but like anything, the more we teach something ourselves, the deeper we learn it. And that definitely happened to us with this um, idea around the lioness principle. The lioness principle actually evolved after teaching those seven steps so much that what we began to realize is while those steps are very powerful and they serve a purpose, the truth is she's actually not teaching them to hunt because she doesn't need to. Lionesses, just like every mammal, including humans on the planet, are born with the instincts that they need already to survive and thrive. We have ancient wisdom. We have instinctive knowledge that is hardwired into our evolved DNA. And in the lioness story, anybody who's had a house cat or a kitten at their home will know that they know this to be true. A kitten 
if a if a butterfly you know flies by or a leaf blows by in the wind, the kitten doesn't have to go to its mother and learn seven steps to know what to do with that butterfly. It's going to chase it whether there's a mother around or not. It's born with the instinct to do that thing that will help it thrive. And humans are the same way. We are born with this, but we have forgotten. It rules the lion's world and all of those the primates and all the big cats and, and most mammals, it, they're, they live their life by this intuitive voice um, that helps them make decisions right on time uh, and the right decisions almost always. It helps them uh, know how to communicate flawlessly. And we have that same instinct powerfully, but we we also have something they don't have, which is this great big egoic mind. And our minds are so highly developed that we actually argue with the instinct. We've gotten really good at ignoring it. We've gotten really good at subjugating it and 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 pushing it aside. And and we we have lost one of the greatest gifts that we're born with, and that's this intuitive wisdom. So why that matters to dentistry, why it matters to our subject today, Naren, is that in the past when people taught communications and they taught leadership and they taught these things, it was all about going out there to learn something, going out there to get a script so you'd know how to talk on the phone well, or going out there to memorize a speech so you'd be a great speaker from the stage, or going out there to get a to-do list to be a leader and do these things and you'll be a great leader instead of learning intuitively how to connect and inspire and clarify for the people who look to you for leadership and guidance. And so we want to bring people back home we want to we want to say we we absolutely 100% know you can be a better communicator and a better leader this is leadership has nothing to do with owning a business we're talking about just leadership in life and it will transfer to the business easily so if that's what they want then then and who doesn't right who doesn't want to advance their life in the direction of their dreams so if that's what we want, then we're saying you don't have to go out and get anything. You can be like the lioness. The lioness recognizes what she's actually doing is she's actually recognizing that the cubs were born with it. So while it does look on the surface like she's, she's teaching them these seven things, what she's really doing is recognizing that they already know it at its core level, and she's basically creating an environment and a process so she can show them that they know it. She can expand their knowledge and, and help them blossom that intuitive wisdom. And that's exactly what we do at Lion Speak. At Lion Speak, we say your people already know when they're connecting well with another human being and when they're not. I couldn't teach that to them if I tried. They know it, and they do not need a script to become fantastic communicators. Now, now what they do need are some protocols or maybe a framework, a framework to stay within in terms of speaking well with new patients on the phone or delivering a financial conversation to a client or anything like that, or even handling a conflict with a coworker. We do teach frameworks, but within the framework, 
we do some exercises where people step into the framework with 100% of their own personality, 100% of their own individuality and their unique voice. And we encourage them to not only be who they are, but to be the best version of who they are. And people are embracing this system and, and idea unbelievably because I think it, we're tired of the only way to get better is something that's outside of us. And so we're just, I think we're bringing people back home to say, no, I, I know how to do this. I've forgotten that I did. I've forgotten that I can trust this. And it's not that we're not teaching, some, we're, not, we're not helping people to structure it. Um, you know, I think, uh, Naren, you and I talked earlier about the fact that where scripts probably came from, I suspect, is that owners and managers wanted to guarantee consistency across all locations, across all of their employees, maybe even for us leaders of a family, we want consistency with our children. We know we don't want one child doing behaving one way and another another way. So we, I think it's wise to create consistency. But in an effort to create consistency, I think erroneously we thought the only way to do that was to script it word for word. And I think inadvertently what happened is we robbed people of their passion and their um, authentic uh, voice. And I think we also robbed clients of interacting with a group of people who have uh, are operating at a very high level, but when we speak to them, we feel they're very humanly connected to us in a very real, genuine way. And so I... I'm a, I, I use a principle, and we teach a principle called both and instead of either or. So I, I like to say I live in a both and world, meaning I look at that and say, well, why can't we have both? Why can't we have both consistency and genuineness? Why can't we have predictability of result and genuineness and authenticity in our, in our communication and be who we are, the best versions? And so... That's the both and. I want both, this and that. Uh, and that's how we came up with our method of, um, and it all grew from that one program that I watched of the lioness principle. And I, you know, I think it was the, the good Lord saying, this is what you're supposed to teach because that really resonated with me so deeply that it's now become the basis of everything we teach. All three of those pillars are all tied back to this principle that people have greatness within them. They are not bringing to the table. They are not tapping into its fullest capacity. And um, we should be. We should be. Yeah. This is amazing. You know, um, I think Steve Jobs said, right, don't live somebody else's life. Live your own life. And I guess you're taking it to another level. You know, don't use a script and try to be somebody else. You know, yes, there can yeah. be guidelines and you know, kind of um, pillars that can guide you, but at the end of the day, be yourself. You already are great. You just, you know, it's our job to kind of help you, you know, kind of go back to that authentic greatness you already have in connecting with people and bring it out. Yeah, I mean, it's really fun to watch teams. You know, we'll bring in a protocol or a frame, one of our frameworks on whatever it is they're wanting to work on, and then we encourage them to take that initial framework and workshop it so that so that they massage that framework so that it fits their practice, it fits the personality, it fits the 
it fits the marketplace that they're working within. Um, and once they, they commit to that or they, they get that framework finished, then, then we have an exercise where they actually really commit to it. They commit to 100%. We're not varying from this framework. But within the framework, it's like stepping into a corral. You know, once we step into this framework, um, we're not going to leave it. But within it, we can dance any way we want. We can, you know, I say to them, if you're funny, you should be funny. Patients will love it because you'll be so authentic. If you are warm and you're gracious and generous and that's how you are wired, then be more of that. Um, so, you know, we want people to be, we don't want, it's like when I train other, when I train people to become better speakers, they'll ask me almost always about humor and about telling jokes and shouldn't I start with a joke? And I always say, well, I don't tell jokes because if you, if you came to my house for a, to a dinner party at my house, I wouldn't tell jokes. It's not, it's not that I don't think, I'm not, it's not that I think there's anything wrong with telling jokes. It's just that it's just not who, genuinely who I am. But I love to tell stories that are funny. So real stories, you know, that are hilarious things that have happened to me or other people or, you know, I love doing that and I'm good at it. And so I can have my crowd maybe not holding their sides and tears coming out of their eyes, they're laughing so hard, but I always am able to get a lot of warm chuckles and, you know, really good laughter um, by telling these stories. And that's more my style. So I say to speakers, if you're good at telling jokes and you tell jokes anyway, and there's a joke that sits perfectly with the content of your speech and you can deliver it and get the laugh you want, then absolutely. But if you can't because you've seen some other speaker do it and it's not authentic to who you are in everyday life, now that's where you're going outside of the authenticity, searching for this tool. And really what I'm saying is you got everything you need. Let's develop what you, how you naturally, yes, we absolutely want humor, but what is your natural style of humor? Let's stay in that lane. Let's develop it more. It just becomes easier and, and more authentic. So that's a really good example of, of it. Makes a ton of sense. And by the way, I'm definitely going to check out your course in November for Train the Trainers. I mean, you're somebody I can learn a lot from, you know, and it's just mm. because you've been thinking about this for like, what, so many decades. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, right. so I don't have to pay the tuition that you paid figuring it out in you know, <laughs> decades. I'll just... We can definitely shorten the curve for sure. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I can do it in three days. <laughs> Maybe I won't there get you to go. your level. There you but... go. <laughs> <laughs> Let me jump into... Uh... The team part, right? We we said you know there are okay. three pillars, and one of the pillars is how do teams com communicate? And I know mm -hmm. people throw around words like you know you have to do what you are good at, and what's your personal mission, and what's your you know team mission, and what's a vision and purpose, and all kinds of big words. Can you kind of uh -huh. start from the basics, kind of get us thinking about communication? Yeah. Um... Well, in the team pillar, the communication really all centers around self-leadership, something we call self-leadership. So that's critical to anyone. And if we now say that that, that anyone is an owner of a business, it has a specific – the self-leadership of a business owner – 
um, the, the principles are the same, but the application is different because they have a business to apply it to and a group of people to lead. Self-leadership for an individual who is an employee of a business is the same principle, a different application. They now have to communicate both horizontally with their coworkers. If they're in a management position, they have to go vertically down to the people who report to them. They also have to communicate up to the person that owns the business or that they report to. So they have so the application of the self-leadership is different. If they don't work at all, they or let's say they don't work outside the home, they work inside the home as a mother or father inside the home. Principles are the same of self-leadership with their children, with their aging parents, with whoever they're in charge of leading. Um, it's just a different application. So when we talk about team communication, the first thing we don't get, we don't start even giving them protocols for that or frameworks for that. What we do is we step way back and we say, the words will come easy to you in any situation, whether it's a team meeting, whether it's dealing with a conflict, whether it's no matter what it is, asking for a raise, doing employee review, whatever the communication situation is, the words will come more easily, the right words, when you already have yourself emotionally stable. So we work on some tools to check in, to do a self-check before I open my mouth, before I make a decision about my business or about my job or, uh, you know, about anything, how do I check in so that I know I am standing on the most, on the strongest emotional platform so that I make the best decisions and I say the right words? The words really do come out pretty well when you have the space between your ears and the space within your heart stabilized and really strong. In other words, we talk about, I use an analogy of something I call the flow. And so in the flow is where all the positive attributes are. So in the, if you're in the flow, what I call the flow, you're, you're moving along in your life, you're moving along in your business, you're, um, you're optimistic, you're generous, you're um, confident, you're happy, um, you're courageous, you're, you know, all of the positive attributes you could think of, that's what the, in the, in the flow, the future looks bright, there is, there's abundance, there's, there's more, there's enough for everyone. There's enough for everyone. Every dream is possible. You know, it's just this amazing place in the flow. But all of us, even if we can get ourselves in the flow and we're operating, we're speaking from there, we're making decisions from there, all of us, life happens to us. And life happens to me every day, just like everybody else, and it pops me out of that flow. So just imagine that I popped out, I'm a cork in that, in that river, and it popped me out into and onto the muddy bank on the side. When we're in the muddy bank on the side, our feet are, it's not that we're not moving, but it's slower, it's sluggish, it's harder. Out here on the muddy bank, emotionally, is we are kind of afraid. We are afraid of what's going to happen or not going to happen. We are, we are not feeling like there's enough for everyone, so we're jealous. 
or we're envious or we're we're not very generous or, or selfish. Um, we are we are worried. Um, we're guilty and regretful and um, ashamed. We're you know all of those negative emotions are out there. So if we are out here, if someone makes us angry, they say something to us that's angry, or we attend a meeting and we're not very optimistic, we're pretty pessimistic about the results of this meeting. If if we're there and we open our mouths we're going to say different things from that platform than we would if we first got ourselves back, if we recognized we were out and we strategically got ourselves back in and we knew how to do that and we spoke from here and we made our decisions from here. The decisions from the flow are very different than the decisions out on the muddy bank. And so that's the first thing we teach people about self-leadership. Now, imagine, back to your question of vision and purpose and mission and all these things, if you're the owner of a business and you want the business to end up some particular place in five years, let's say, we, we work with owners and we say, we'd like to take you through a process where you get yourself in that flow on that strong emotional platform before you start to envision where you want to go because your vision will be different on the bank where there is not enough and you're slightly pessimistic and you're very mired down in what's happened before and any failures you've had before or anything like that then then that future looks very different and you will limit your dream in a different way than you will from in here in the flow so we we help leaders do that um, what I'll do right now is clarify for your listeners something we call the re-envisioned vision. In the past, and I learned from some of the best, um, some of the icons in the consulting industry and dentistry, I studied them like no other when I became a consultant. And several decades ago when I started, um, the common wisdom was that you brought the team together, and many of your listeners have probably done this, they brought their teams together and they spent hours trying to hammer out a vision statement or a mission statement or, some, you know, there's all different terms for it. And if they were successful at that, then it was typed up and printed and um, it either was filed in a file or in some cases it went onto a website or it got framed in a, in a frame on the wall of the practice. And it became their guiding, was supposed to become their guiding principles and their guiding, you know, creating this future vision. But in my experience as a consultant, it never did or rarely did. Um, I would come back in a few months later and refer to the vision and ask them a question about it. And they'd say things like, well, hold on, let me go, let me go pull that from the file. Or... You know, they, they had no, you could tell that there was a disconnect between the work we did and what actually happened day to day, minute by minute. It didn't really change behavior. And so I just, after I finally got some time in this consulting world, I stepped out of that and said, that doesn't make sense to me. And where it really hit home with me is the day that I hired my very first employee. I remember thinking, well, at some point we're going to have to have a meeting and we're going to have to create this vision and 
then I thought, why in the world would I want to do that? Why would I want an employee that I don't even know is going to work out long term yet? Why would I want to have a meeting and have them be involved in any way with the long term or even short term vision for my company? This is my company. I'm taking the risk. I'm doing that level of work and commitment to run this. If, if somebody's not going to get a paycheck, it's going to be me, not them. Um, I'm the one on the line here. It's my right. It's my prerogative. And I think now I think it's my responsibility as an owner to do two things. I would say all communicators and leaders have to do two things when they communicate. One is to create clarity around the communication. So in other words, in the scope of vision, my job as an owner of my business for the people who work for me is to create crystal clear understanding of where we're headed. No fog in the picture at all. So I, my job is to create clarity. My second job is to create inspiration around the clarity. So people could be really clear where you're headed, but not inspired to do it or want to do it. They could also be inspired by you, but be confused about where we're going. So really good communicators and leaders always create those two things, clarity and inspiration. So the re-envisioned vision that we teach, there's only one person or group of people that should write it. Now we're talking business vision, and that is the owner or owners of a business. That's it. The employees have nothing to do with the creation of the vision of the business. That's not to say that the employees and the team don't have a huge role to play in the development of the strategies that will cause this vision to, to come to fruition. In that space and in that conversation, you almost must have the team. Because if you're not able to do, if it's not a solo entrepreneur and in, you're the only, you know, you're, there's just a one-person business, if you have anyone working for you, then they must be involved. You don't want to miss their contribution of creativity, of ideas, of, of strategies, but it's only in the how we're going to do it. It's not in where we're going. Where we're going is an owner's prerogative and an owner's responsibility. And I'll tell you, your teams, if you're an owner listening to this, your teams are looking to you for this. They are so happy when they get it from an owner in a conversational, passionate way. This, I don't know why I want it. I don't have to justify it. I don't need to explain it. I don't even have to explain it to myself in terms of why. I, we, you know, and we, when we coach owners in, in this vision process, we push them to really say, if it was just the best, like when would you start your day? What, how, what, when would you work? Who would you work with? What would you do and what would you never do again? Uh, and, and it's interesting, a lot of people get off track with what we call the cursed hows. Like, well, I, don't, I just don't know how I would, you know, I mean, my clients expect me to do this and this or my clients don't want to go see multiple specialists so I have to do endo and a, and so we, we have a set of, we have a strategy for coaching people to not get off in the weeds, but to just dream. And we say, don't worry about how. Just pretend that some miracle, 
miracle happened, and miraculously you were able to do it. You were able to grow your practice or your business in the way you would like beyond your wildest dreams, and you never did another endo again or saw another kid again or whatever it is that they don't want to do. Um, and, and, and so we create this vision, and we don't get stuck in the cursed house. How are we going to do that? We just say, just, just, this is just the what, what where, are we, where, where are we going? Um, so we create it, and then we ask the team members on the side to create, and we give them a, a, you know, a, a kit, a way to do this. We help them. But they create their own individual life vision. And what we're looking for is creating a conversation between the owner of the business and the people who work in the business to determine if the business vision and the life vision that all these people represent align. Because for me, there is no right or wrong. And I'd love for people to stop even thinking in those terms of this is right or wrong or this is good or bad. But what if it either works or it doesn't work? It aligns or it doesn't align. So what business owners, I think, should be looking for is how do I gain clarity around my vision? How do I, you know, either do it myself or get coaching on how to present this to my team in a really inspirational way and an and authentic way to me so that they get a chance to ask their questions and talk about what scares them about that or what they're worried about or what they're excited about. And then how do we have them be able to hold that, their life vision up to this work vision and, and ask themselves if it aligns? And how do we make it okay if it doesn't and not so scary if it doesn't? And I've got, you know, great examples of lots of times where that it didn't align and, and it's been it's like set people free. So, so, so that's what we work toward, and that's why it's a different way of looking at it um, when we're not expecting the teams to come up with where the business is going, but the owners to come up with where the business is going. And then the teams to get involved on the back end of that, which is now that we know, now how do we create the strategies to fill the gap and, and get us there? So it's a different way of looking at it and a pretty exciting way of doing it. This is amazing. I mean, um, what I got out of this, and of course I have lots of follow-up questions and you know a lot of things to talk about. What I got out of this is that, um, um, again, going back to the basics and the authentic part of yourself, so it starts with the owner and his dream, right? And again, I'm assuming um, you know we all want to be happy. So typically there are four things people work on to be happy, uh, money, time, purpose, and relationships. So for you to be more happy than you are today, for you to be like, you know, in, in that, you know, wow, this is amazing territory, uh, you know, who are you going to be working with, you know, meaning the relationships, both patients and team members? What kind of people do you want to hang out with? Um, you know, time, right? How much do you want to work? Uh, purpose, you know, what kind of things do you enjoy? You know, you don't have to do everything, right? And then... Um, Money, of course, you know, what would make you happy in terms of, you know, income, you know, profits, revenues, the whole nine yards? Because I have had conversations with lots of people, and when they start, they'll say, I want, you know, this large amount of revenues. But then they'll say, not really. I mean, when you go deeper and deeper, what I really want is yeah. the profits, and I want to spend, you know, 
uh, I, I don't want to work more than 30 hours because I have young kids who are growing up. I don't want to miss them, you know. Um, so then the whole thing changes. So somebody who might say, oh, I need to hire an associate and this and that will say, well, maybe not. I can still get up what I want, which is, you know, have the time with my kids and make a good living. And um, so, so you kind of help the owners go through a process of dreaming as to what makes them happy, you know, and put the puzzles together, like time, money, purpose, relationships. Yeah, yes, and I'm actually going to share that with your listeners today, at least from a surface level. Um, it's a what we call our vision kit, and it's, a, it's the same that we're going to send to anyone who wants to um, engage in this process. It's a set of questions, um, and... Uh, you know, I think we'll we'll talk here in a minute about what's the format for revealing this to the team and taking the team through it. So it gives a it gives a structure for that particular type of meeting in the kit. It also has the questions for the life, the personal life vision. So I want to clarify that we don't ask the team to share their life vision unless they want to. If they want to, that's fine. But we're not going to. These are private, individual. But but. But the team can't. The team members can't decide if they if they align well with the business vision. In other words, they can't decide if the business vision is going to be a good fit for helping them accomplish their life vision. And I'll give you an example in just a second about that. They can't. They can't decide if they don't know what their life vision is. You see. So. We want them to just come to this meeting where the owner is going to talk about their business vision, already having done some personal work on where they're going. So, for example, if someone decides in their life vision that they'd like to ultimately at some point go back to school, they'd like to go back and become a hygienist, or if they're a hygienist, they might like to go and be a dentist someday or something else, whatever. I've had people say, I, want to, I really want to open a coffee shop. I want to I want to be a barista and I want to own my little my own little coffee chain uh, and that's their dream for the future. Well, once they're clear on that, then we're able to say, okay, so just think about how could you how could your work here and the growth of your work here, given this vision, how could helping accomplish this business vision help you get on your way to what it is you want to do in your life? And I'm telling you right now, as an owner, the day I help my people connect where they're going in their life, because they're going there no matter what, um, where they're going in their life with their work with me, I've got a motivated, integrated, uh, engaged employee because they see the path. They see if they help me create this revenue, and I've already said I'm willing to share whatever we create together, um, they're motivated because they see the clear path. When people are fuzzy, they just stay where they are. But So we're trying to help get clarity of alignment. Now, I'll give you an example of where a life vision did not align with the company vision. We once had a client that did a fantastic job um, presenting their vision at this uh, retreat that we're going to talk about. And he did a great job. And then we put it out to the team 
They had already done their, their life vision plans. And we said, so let's now field your questions, your concerns. What did you, what's fuzzy for you? What needs clarity? You know, all of that. So we have trainers, and so they're, they're in there making sure, facilitating that discussion. And in the discussion, one of the employees said, you know, um, one of the things I heard you say, doctor, in your vision was that you wanted to go in this particular direction, which was going to require that we took some additional courses, that we all got some additional education, is that going to require weekends or evenings? And he said, yes, it will. I've already identified the courses. There are three weekends in the next 12 months that we're going to need to attend as a team. And she said, I don't think I can do that and stay true to my, my life vision. And she said, and she asked me, can I share it? And I said, of course you can. And she said, I want you to know I'm a little afraid right now. And, I, and actually, he beautifully stepped in and said, look, I care about you all as individuals. You've been with me a long time. And I get that I was going right when I hired you, and now I'm going left. And I, I'm going to own that change. I'm going to say that's my prerogative, and it's also my responsibility to step in and say, I own that I'm changing the direction. And now you have to decide if that's still going to be the bus you want to be on. So if you decide today that it's not, for whatever reason, we're not, we don't have to do a two-weeks notice and you're out routine. I'm going to say, come to me, let's talk it through, and tell me what you need. Do you need two months? Do you need me to write some letters? Do you need me to make some phone calls? What do, well, how can I support you? in moving in the direction of your dreams. Because what I want, what we're, where we're going is going to require a bit of work. It's going to require a bit of re-education, and I'm going to have to learn some new skills, and you're going to have to learn some new skills. And if you want to be here and it aligns, you're not going to mind the push, because I'm going to push you. Catherine's going to push us. Um, but if you don't really, and you say you do, you're going to hate the push. And that's where we're going to have a problem. So I'd rather talk about it. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. It's just does it line up now or does it not? So she said, you know, she had had a child. And one child, she and her husband, uh, that child was a special needs child, and it had died. And she couldn't have more children. So in the light of that circumstance, they had dedicated their personal life to helping foster children who were special needs, who nobody would you know, or very few people would take into their homes, and so at any given time they had two to you know, or more of these children in their home, and their arrangement was that they, the the woman worked during the day at the dental practice, um, but then and took care of the children in the evening and on the weekends, and the husband worked then. So um, so this new vision that required three weekends a year and some extra hours didn't work. And you can see where she's a, she's a one, it would be easy to say, I can't do weekends and assume she's not a, game, not a team player. She's not a team player. But it had nothing to do with being a team player. It had to do with a disalignment or a, a, an unalignment with her life vision and the work vision. And so creating a space where we can have those conversations and we can say, she said, I don't want to leave, but this is, this is where my life is going, and I cannot give weekends. And we said, okay, then 
would you be up for discussing could you help us find a replacement? Could you help us train a replacement? Could you, could you come back in maybe and we'll help you, we'll write letters or whatever we need to do, make some phone calls for some dentists around that don't have these same plans, that don't, don't have the same vision, and let's get you moved into a place where you can feel secure that you can do both. Um, and so he was able to maintain that relationship. We were able to ease into it over time, but it created a alignment which only can come when, a, when an owner is clear um, and the team members are clear. So it's a great discussion if you do it well. If you have a good facilitator there, I think it's essential to have people who know how to keep you kind of out of the, out of the weeds and, and keep the conversations going in a positive direction. But, um, but he was really good at it and committed to it and, it, and it made a big difference. So that was a great example, I thought, of allowing people to recognize whether they are in alignment or not because really that's where the rub is for most of us as business owners and managers we have people working for us that do not align with the vision and we've made that wrong and I suggest in our work we don't have to make it wrong ever it's just not in alignment and Right. Most people are perfect the way they are. Yes, everyone's perfect the way they are. They just are either in alignment or they're not. And nobody gets to choose for me as a business owner. No one, no employee ever will ever choose my direction. I choose my direction. And I give full ability for them to come in and align or to not align. It makes no difference to me. I, matter of fact, I, I encourage that they are really clear that this is a perfect alignment for them or not. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we, we live in a world or we, we teach in a world where everyone is what we call at choice. At choice. No one's forced to work for us. We're not forced to hire anyone. We're not forced to keep anyone. Everyone is at choice. And when we honor that in others, um, it becomes really clear that we, we respect that they have a choice. We respect they'll make the right decision for themselves. We've already, as an owner, made our choice. We're starting at 7. We're ending at 4. We work Tuesday through Friday. We only work on these people. We only work with this kind of culture. And we absolutely respect that may, may or may not work for you, 100%. We're just looking for those people that we can be in alignment with. And it just frees us up from all the... I mean, I hear owners all the time say, well, they have to, they have to learn to talk to patients. They have to learn to use that intraoral camera. They ha and I just say to them, no, they don't. No, they don't. No one has to do anything. So I would say it, it feels like it's really challenging for you to incorporate this. And sometimes they'll say, well, I just, you know, I don't think I should have to take the photography. You're the one who's the good photographer. You should take it. I'm not a dentist. And so that's a, that's, a, that's a different belief system that isn't in alignment with the owner's belief. So when we say, okay, fair enough, fair enough. It's not right or wrong or good or bad. It's just out of alignment. So um, that is, you know, out of alignment with what I'm looking to create. I respect that that does not sit with you and that somehow it's out of alignment with what you believe. I respect that, and uh, I'm looking to have people on my team that love photography and want to take it and want to learn to take it well. And so let's talk about what that looks like, right? Because that's what it is. And so it just, it just alleviates this 
it, it gets rid of the argument, which is just a powerful concept, powerful. So, yeah. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, there's a book I read a while ago called Dream Coach, and uh, it talks about you know a janitorial business and and how there's so much turnover, and you know, and finally they figure out, you know, uh, these people, you know, a lot of them, you know, had really, you know, not a lot of education, and you know, a lot of you know immigrants and so forth, and and um, what this business did is they focused on the dreams of these you know people, and the mm-hmm. more the business focused on the dreams of their team members, the more they they focused on the dream of the business owner. So in other words, we care about those who care about ourselves, right? So I think what you're talking about, which is, you know, focus on your team members' dreams, even if it means they're parting ways. And if you do that, they're, they're going to do so much good for you. Like, you know, this person who helped find it, you know, replacement yeah. and you know gave her mm-hmm. 200% in making sure this replacement is successful because you care about her dreams right mm-hmm. her, her life purpose so it's awesome right. so i think this idea that you know me 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 and you know and and forget about you it, it really doesn't work in real life i mean yeah it might feel like it's working for 2 minutes but you're going to feel miserable even if it does work and 90% mm-hmm. of the time it won't work because you know the kind of the way the universe works, it kind of is more for people who are all about, you know, helping others and making a difference, whether it's your team or your your patients, right? It's not just about me, 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 and I don't care about you type mindset. So well, I love that it. Is, that is right. I think that is absolutely right. And actually in, in claiming a vision with great, great clarity and um, you know that that inspiration piece. When you claim that, it actually is me. Like I step in to say, I I want to take a stand. I want to take a stand right here. And we coach leaders if they haven't done this well in the past to just start with that. Just to say, you know, the first thing I want to do is own and maybe even apologize that I have not been clear. I've been actually frustrated because inside I was clear, but. But obviously, I didn't. I didn't have a way of making it so clear that all of you could see where it is I'm wanting to go and what it is I'm wanting to create. The culture, the business, the profit. The we're very specific about it all. And so, as of today, that changes. As of today, I am stepping into an entirely new level of leadership, and I'm going to take full responsibility for the breakdowns we've been having. That's me. Either I'm tolerating it and I'm not stepping out and talking about it in a direct way and or I haven't been clear about what I want. And here, so let me do that today. Let me do that today. And so we just help them just, it's like a fresh start. It's like a reboot. It's like an absolute 100% reboot. Every year we do these annually with clients. So it's an, we call it an annual calibration retreat. And what we're doing is recalibrating every year, at least once a year, we're recalibrating to the current vision. And the vision changes slightly from year to year. I know mine does. Right. So, you know, so so every year we come together in this retreat format and the owner helps us get new clarity. Has anything changed since last year in terms of what you're envisioning? Um, And it probably will slightly, if not greatly. And so they get us clear again, we ask our questions again, we decide if we align again. And so you're right in that, 
Naren, I think this does introduce this idea of not helping people get their dreams, but but allowing for them right. to do it or not do it here or not right. do it. And some right. people aren't ready to get that kind of clarity in their own life, and that's really not up to us. And it doesn't matter. What matters is we're clear. And we're allowing for the opportunity. Some people will step in and some people will not. But we're, what, we're, what, what we are giving, and I think it's what you're saying, is we're giving respect to them wherever they are and wherever their life is taking them. And in the flow, a leader isn't worried if someone's going to leave them. They're right. not worried. Um, in the flow, there's plenty of good people to choose from, even if you think you're in an area where there is no, there are no good hygienists left or there are no good associate doctors. Or I promise you there are. But from the bank, the muddy bank, you won't find them. You will not, they will not be attracted to you. They will not, they, they will not show up in, on your radar. It's like, it's like trying to find country music when you're on dialed to a jazz station. It's not that the country music's not playing. It is at the same time, but you'll never hear it because you're on a different frequency. So when you get yourself here, you're never, ever held hostage by an employee who won't do or won't get, you know, get in line or doesn't bring the attitude. You're never, ever encumbered by that. But that's what I'm saying. Leadership is about first getting yourself on this strong emotional platform so that you are always at choice and you recognize everyone in your orbit, everyone in your sphere of influence is also at choice. Your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, all of it. So your patients, you know. So, so when you live in that space and work from that space and lead from that space, it's very different, it's very empowering. And, of course, what we're trying to do is learn it ourselves so we can be the example to everyone that we're leading. We set the example of how to lead from this platform, to, from how to, how to lead from clarity um, and, and respecting that people have whatever choices they, they, they have, but you've made yours. I've made mine. I know exactly what type of person I'm willing to work with and who I'm willing to hire and keep on board and pay a salary to in terms of their attitude, in terms of their work ethic, in terms of their, there's just no question in my employees. I can promise you 100% there is no question. I remember one time, I'll give some props to my good friend, Deborah Englehart Nash. Many of your, many of your listeners will know her as a fantastic practice management consultant and her husband as a fantastic um, clinical lecturer and dentist, uh, Ross Nash, but together they run the Nash Institute. And um, so Deborah, uh, in one of her lectures, and I won't remember what the five things were, but she said before, when they're interviewing a new person, um, before they start going through the resume and the application and start talking about the job, they have five rules um, in their practice for uh, determining a good fit, a perfect fit, they call it. Um, so to determine the perfect fit, that you, you have to be able to line up with these five things. And I don't remember what all five were there, but I remember that one of them was um, we only hire adults. And she said, so for example, um, if we ever had to ask you to put your cell phone away, it would not be a good fit here. It would not be a good fit. And we don't have that written in a manual. We don't have it written. It's, it's not how we roll. We don't have it all lined out for you. 
So if it wouldn't, if it would occur to you to be texting on your phone in the middle of a workday, unless it was a, unless the house was on fire, um, it just wouldn't be a good fit. You wouldn't feel comfortable here, and we would, it wouldn't work out. It just wouldn't work out. And we'd be better not to even go into this resume. So how do you feel about rule number one? Because we only hire grown-ups. Now imagine that. So she's not saying it's wrong. She's not saying there's not a place that you could go where you could also text on your cell phone. But here we've decided. We're not making a judgment about it. We're just saying that's how it is. We've claimed it. And we're super clear about it. And we're not going to babysit people. <laughs> and so, you know, that's the – so once you're clear, you don't have to have all the emotion around it. You just claim it. And, um, and it, either, it either aligns or it doesn't. It either works or it doesn't. It's not right or wrong or good or bad. We, we lose those labels and we just step into, this is how I want it. It's how I want it. I want to work with grown-ups, you know. So <laughs> I love that. So you see what I'm saying? So it's, just a, it's, a, it's actually freeing. When an, when an owner takes this level of accountability and responsibility and vision, it's, it's, it's the basis of all good leadership. It really is. So we love working with people where we help them step into this kind of power and this kind of freedom. Yeah. All right. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, what you're saying is um, you don't have to justify why you want what you want. You don't have to explain. Uh-huh. It is what it is. You know, this is what I want. <laughs> In the story, and if, um, if and I respect uh, if it doesn't work for you, yeah, yeah totally exactly. respect it. If, it. if it doesn't, then I will support you in finding something that does work for you. So it's not like oh, I win and you lose, or you win and I lose. We both win. <laughs> or I'm know. right and you're wrong. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong here. It's um, that's amazing. And um, yeah, it yeah. aligns or it doesn't. When you think in those terms, it's easier to review an employee. I just had an employee review. Uh, someone started with me January 1st, and many things were going right, and several things weren't. And so when we sat down, you know, it was really talking about it in terms of, does this line up with where you're headed? Because this is what the job requires. So, and so it was just a different conversation, because it's not about her being wrong or doing things wrong. It's about, the, this is the job, and it's, are we able to get alignment with the job, with her talents, with her wishes, with her vision? Can we create a better alignment there or not? And if not, then what would that look like? Would it be part-time some, in some other way with my business? Would it be that we call it today and say it's not a good fit? And we just were able to have this more open discussion because there's no, there's no discussion about who's right or wrong or good or bad or any of that. So it's a much different way of communicating. So you see now it's a really great example how because I'm standing on this platform, this emotionally strong platform of freedom and of thinking this way, I'm able to step into that conversation differently. I'm not afraid of her quitting. I'm not afraid of us deciding that it's not a good fit or deciding to change the job in some way. I'm not afraid of any of those, and I'm open to all of those because what I'm after is alignment, and I know that it exists for me because I have it in other other places. I have it in other employees, and have had it in the past. And so, and so, I'm not afraid of it. And um, that's where I had to get myself there before I sat down with her, and before that communication commenced, because I knew I would speak differently as a leader, the leader she needed. Um, from that platform. So it really is, the work is 
about that first, and then we create. So if an owner is, if we're going to put an owner up in front of their team to communicate conversationally this new vision and this new way of leadership and the new way of being, we have to first work with them on getting them on this emotionally stronger platform. Once they're there, the words come pretty easily to them in front of their team. It's really magical. It's really magical. So, And I'd love to talk, Niran, a little bit about that day about that retreat yeah, um, if we have time. Absolutely. I do have one question before we jump into that. Sure. What, that is, you mentioned sure. clarity and inspiration. Right? I, I understand clarity and I understand the power of clarity you're talking about. Can you talk about inspire? I mean, you said that's the other other piece. Like, is that is, is inspiration comes from clarity, or is there, is there something more to it? I, I'm just trying to get some. So yeah. So for for example, um, like you said, you clarity is pretty easy to wrap our heads around. What I what I'm speaking to is, let's say I outline. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of a recent uh, a recent dentist who. Uh, I, I'm on the faculty of something called the Dental Business Institute. So it's almost like a dental MBA, especially geared toward people who want to grow their practice in terms of location. And so it's this great program, and, and it's like over the course of a year, I think, and I'm on the first weekend because I teach on vision. And so um, some, one of the students in that course was a man who had he had just purchased, I may have some of these numbers not quite right, but I think he had just purchased his second or third location. He was in a, a suburb of Detroit. And he came to me, called me after the course, and he said, so here's my situation. I have these practices, and I want to grow to a max of, I think he said six, or maybe it was eight, something like that. But that was his max. Um, and he said, and I'm currently in contract or in escrow for two more practices, um, one's you know, set to close any time, and then the other's a little further down. And he said, so I'm at this place where would, it, would now be a good time, knowing that I'm going to be bringing on these other practices, um, would now be a good time to do this retreat and claim this vision, and, you know, or should I wait until I have all these? And I said, no, there's, ne there's no time to waste. There's, vision should be as soon as you can do it, because people are working for you right now, and they don't know... I said, is there confusion about where you're going? And he goes, there's not only confusion, there's fear. I said, I bet. I bet. I bet if I had been in the practice, you've been working in the solo practice for, he'd been, matter of fact, I think it was generational. I think his dad or somebody, you know, I mean, it was, he had had that one practice for forever. And so people had worked for him for a really long time. And suddenly, he's now buying other practices and merging these teams together and creating a creating a middle management structure, and, and they're freaked out. And so, um, and in their minds, here's what happens. In the vacuum of clarity, people fill in their own vision, their own direction, their own definition. So if you don't do this, in the vacuum of it, they'll just go with their own made-up vision. So what they made up in their heads was he was turning into a quote-unquote big box, low-quality, high-volume clinic business. That's what they imagined, which could not have been further, not only from the truth, but from the motivation of all this. So I asked him, I said, so step back and tell me, not, I see what, what you're doing, but why are you doing it? Why all of a sudden? And he said, well, I can tell you really clearly. He said, I... 
I, I have lived in this community. My family's lived in this community for generations, a small town. He said, it, all of a sudden, it, appear, it occurs to me that all of our community, who's been very hard hit by the loss of manufacturing jobs and the loss of the economy here, they have two choices in dentistry, and only two. They have the choice of high-end, high-quality, high-fee, which many of them cannot afford, or they feel they can't afford, or they have low-end clinic, low-quality, low-price, you know, mill, what we would call a mill, and nothing in between. And I go to church with these people. I see these people in the grocery store. My children go to school. I, my grandchildren now. He said, you know, I, I love this community with all my heart. And I'm interested not in becoming 100 locations. I have no dreams of that. I would like to see, could I develop, could I create a business, a dental business, where we have enough locations and only just enough to create some economies of scale so we lower, together, we lower the cost of doing business, but we do not simultaneously lower our quality. We're able to look, so we probably won't be able to match those prices, but we can compete with those prices and give the people in this community an alternative. And I said to him, I'm going to tell you right now, if you stood up in front of your team and said exactly what you just said to me, you will in, not only create clarity, but you will inspire your people around the reasons for this. Mm-hmm. They will be inspired, mo- most likely. And I said, people are attracted to people who have big hearts and want to do good things and 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 are excited about, they're passionate about the reason behind the vision. And so so we coached him, and he did, and he actually got, he didn't cry, but he got a little choked up when he was delivering it to the team. And, and this day that we had this retreat, some of those team members in the new practice that had just been acquired, they were meeting for the very first time. It's the first time they'd ever laid eyes on their, on, the, on their co-workers in this business. And so here they are, some of them brand new to each other, listening to this man's vision of where he, what he's trying to do. And he said to them, I don't even know if it's possible. I really don't. And I don't know exactly how we're going to do it. I do not. I have some ideas. That's why I'm in this course. That's why I'm taking this, this education. But I don't have all the answers. I just know where I'd like to go and what I'd like to try to achieve and create. And I need your help. And I need Catherine's help. And I need, I probably need other people's help. I need help. But but I'm really clear about why and about what. And, um, and he got a little choked up about it. And it was just so we took a break afterwards. And I went to the women's restroom. And in the women's restroom, I hear these conversations, you know, um, like, man, this was not what I was expecting. I thought this was going in a completely different direction. Or I was just, I've been looking for another job because I was not going to work for a clinic. And now I, and now I'm really kind of excited. And because he said, look, there's opportunities. We're going to need some management we haven't needed before. I don't have any favorites here. I'm going to make those jobs available to those of you that are interested in either learning the skills or bringing the skills. Um, I'm willing to create this any way that we all can, you know, can, can create, but, um, 
you know, I'm going to make some opportunities available to some of you. That, and if not, then I'm going to then just know I'm going to be hiring new people into those positions. Um, but the opportunities are also here for you as well. And so people are in the restrooms going, wow, I hadn't even thought about maybe maybe I will, you know, raise my hand for that. And and so suddenly, what could have you know what was probably going on behind the scenes, he was able, and I'm so glad he didn't wait because he was able to come in and say. Let me create clarity, and let me also create inspiration about why. And he did that. So does that, does that help you understand why both are important? I get it now. I totally understand. I think the example yeah. made a ton of sense. Without the example, I, I think I was having a bit of a hard time on the inspiration part. Now I understand. Sure. Like when you verbalize it, when you, you know, explain it, I think people buy not what you do, why you do it. I mean, everybody builds computers, you know. But people choose right. to buy Apple and pay double the price for it. It's not because of the what. I mean, the chip is the same. The you know the specs yeah. <laughs> are the same. The so why, you yeah. know. The so why, yeah. and and uh, and all that comes with that, and is created by that for sure. So it isn't always that you know. It doesn't have to be that monumental or or inspirational in that way. But but people are drawn and inspired by people who are passionate about something. They right. are. So, right. so we, when we help a speaker, when we help a, a, an owner to get up in, every year in front of their team like this, we want to coach them to choose the words that create clarity, don't create confusion. And we want to choose the responses that inspire people to want to get on the train with you rather than uh, freak them out and create fear. And you know, So we want them to see you confident. We want them to see you. And passionate doesn't mean you're Tony Robbins up there doing the rah-rah. That's not what, I mean, he's passionate in his way. But right. I've seen people, very quiet, very, very subtle people be extremely passionate about the direction and what they're created. It's not the volume of your voice. It's the authenticity and the the urgency that people feel, the excitement that they feel, um, you know, the, the the optimism that they feel from you about what you're creating. Um, when they see joy, they see fun, they see that you are on fire internally about this challenge and this creation. It's just, it's hard. It's like a magnet for people. So if you don't have it, it either means it's not really coming from an authentic place or you have devalued what that could do for your people and how bad they need it and how bad we all need it. And so, yeah, it's that piece. Right, right. Absolutely. Before we wrap up, can you kind of provide a little bit more color on that, you know, the retreat you're talking about and then uh, – um, and then we'll talk about the website and how people can reach you and any offers you have yeah. for them. And, yeah. Sure, sure. So really quickly, um, the calibration retreat is something I've alluded to it already several times, but it's a retreat we do annually. Um, we encourage practices to do it, whether they engage with us or not. But I would encourage all your listeners to consider um, an annual retreat, team retreat, uh, that is held off-site, meaning it is off of the premises of their normal work environment. Very important detail to this. It's important to get people out of their normal space because my experience as a trainer for many decades is that people show up differently, listening with different ears, with a different 
level of openness um, when an engagement when you pop them out of their normal environment. You notice when you have team meetings routinely in the same space over and over and over again, people sit in the same chairs. They go, they go straight to the same chair every time. And that shows you how habitual and how defined that all gets. So what we want to do is break that, break that routine, break that, um, because people then, when that, when that cycle gets broken, they now don't know what, what to expect. They are listening differently because they're intuitively their body says, hmm, this is different. I better listen up. You know, it just, it, it just some things are, are triggered that you don't get in the normal setting. So select someplace off-site. The more creative, the better, with the only requirement being that there must be a space within the venue to have a meeting. So, for example, we've done these retreats um, in climbing gyms in adventure parks. Um, we've done many of them at the Wild Animal Park here in San Diego, near San Diego, near where I live, um, which is really fun to combine with the lioness principle, of course. Um, but in all of those cases, we've done them at wineries. We've done them at cooking schools. We've done them at racetracks. Um, I mean, we ha we've, just, we've done them at re playing resorts, these nice resorts. But we select a location that... Um, has some either a pavilion or a room or something where we can have a meeting, but then we can use the space to accomplish one of the um, requirements of the retreat. So the requirements of the retreat or the agenda of the retreat is we usually start with, uh, and, and I would suggest if your um, listeners are thinking about putting together this annual retreat for their company, that they would consider hiring a professional facilitator to help them not only to organize it, but to, but to facilitate it. <clears throat> because a, a professional facilitator who knows how to do this well will keep you on track, keep you from you know, chasing rabbits down the rabbit holes uh, and getting off track. They will also help maintain uh, some emotional stability. So if, if a hot spot, what we call a hot spot emotionally pops up in the room, um, a, a skilled facilitator will know how to how to let that go just far enough to explore it without it getting out of hand and causing you know the meeting to be derailed. So you want you want a, a facilitator that knows what they're doing. When we facilitate a retreat like this, uh, we generally introduce the retreat, the reason for it, the reason for being where we are. Um, we talk about how what the day's going to look like. We talk about that the first piece is going to be the owner. Uh, the main purpose of this is to get clarity around the vision and alignment around the vision of the business. And so, of course, to do that, we need to hear what that is. And so very pretty quickly, we get the owner up, and we're there, but we kind of step out of the limelight. We let them come in and conversationally talk through the, the new vision, the vision that we've helped coach the owner on and um, the delivery of. And so they do it, and then we step back in to facilitate questions and concerns, and we have that whole conversation. Then we design an exercise, because the more involved your people are, the more engaged they are, the better that they'll do with this. So we quickly do an exercise, and we've got lots to choose from. But the, extra, the purpose of the exercise is to basically test what did the group hear in that vision discussion? What, what resonated strongly among everyone in the group? So they'll do things like, 
uh, get into teams and develop a team logo that represents the vision that we just discussed. Or the, and they'll put it on T-shirts and then they'll model the T-shirts for us. Or they'll create a work of art um, as if we were in an art gallery and the work of art represents the vision. And so what we're doing is we're, we're making it fun and they're having a good time and bonding with their team members, but, but we're testing what did they get, what did they get the key points that we were hoping everyone would get. And that's a way for us to test. Do we need to go back and revisit it a little bit more? Did we not get the clarity we were hoping for, or did we? And if we did, which we usually did, then we move on to the next piece, which are some report outs from the different departments about where you are. So where, what is the current state of the business? So hygiene reports out, the admin people report out, and they just give us, this is where we are in relation to the things in the vision. And then what that shows us is the gap, what we call the gap, the gap between where we are and where we're going according right. to this vision. And we spend the bulk of the day then working on strategies and brainstorming and ideating around what would some 12-month strategies over the next 12 months that we could implement in each person's position so that everybody knows what their part is in moving this marker forward on the vision. And then we make some team agreements around those. We talk about what will happen that we can all agree to if the agreements are broken. Um, so there's great clarity around all of that. And then to, at, toward the end of the day, usually, we've done some pre-surveys, like um, anonymous, confidential, usually survey monkey kind of interviews with the team. So we've usually identified some sort of emotional roadblock. Every team has an emotional roadblock of some kind. So sometimes it's trust. Sometimes it is... Um, Optimism, it could be accountability, um, you know, it could be all kinds of things. But we, we try to identify what's the common thread here and what we pick one that if we could get a breakthrough for the team around that, they would be better as a team. And so we develop, our facilitators develop an experiential exercise uh, and we pick from dozens and dozens. But we pick one, we don't, we do a lot of what would look like on the surface like we're playing and we're doing all these fun games, but we don't do anything gratuitously. Everything we do is very strategic um, and it, what we call purposeful play. So we develop an exercise and usually that's where the location and the venue comes in. So for example, in the climbing gym, it was for a, a team in Seattle. It was a small team. They were actually an extraordinary team, extraordinary. Their one roadblock was that when things didn't go well, which didn't, wasn't very often, but occasionally they had a really bad day. Maybe procedures didn't go well or they had a difficult patient or something happened. Maybe someone was out sick. They, weren't, they kind of unraveled. They were not nice to each other. They, their tempers flared and, you know, it was, it was a female dentist, a female team, and I think it just was like they just weren't – they were really good as long as things were going well, but if things didn't go well, they weren't – they didn't do very well together. So um, we – so I selected the climbing gym, and I worked with the safety facilitator there. So we did our meeting in a room. It was upstairs, and it had a glass wall, and it looked down into the gym, so that was cool. And we did our meeting, and we catered in lunch, and that was all great. And in the afternoon, we came down into the gym – and we pretty much had the place to ourselves. And um, 
you know, the, the facility safety instructor helped everybody kind of learn how to climb the wall and how to do the belay and keep everybody safe when everyone's in harnesses and stuff. So everybody does it. And um, then she and I had created an exercise to address this issue. So what we did is we put them in teams of two. And one was going to be the climber and one was going to be the belay. And the climber was going to be blindfolded. And all the teams of two were competing against each other to get to the top first, at the top of the wall. And there was a really nice prize that my client had purchased for the winning team. And so they're all going to compete to get to the top, but they have to do it twice. Their team has to win twice to win the prize. And so the first time we do it, um, they, could, they could only put their foot and their hand on certain colored holes. So if they touched a different colored hole, they were disqualified and had to start over. And remember, the climber is blindfolded, so the climber cannot see the colors. So the belay, who is not blindfolded, has to shout instructions to the climber. And as the climber gets further and further away and is getting closer and closer to the top, and the belay is looking over and seeing the competitors getting also either beating them or getting close to beating them, the energy and the whole, you know, frustration level started rising and escalating. And as they escalated, they began to act out. They began to act just like they did in the practice. And they were shouting to each other and they'd say, you know, lift your leg, you know, lift your leg, you know, what, three, just three inches, no, no, lift your leg. And they, you know, the, the climber would shout down, which leg? <laughs> just you could just tell the irritation and the frustration, and they just were unraveling just like they do in the practice. So we had them come down, and we had them talk about why and how and what was happening and when did it occur and what were some strategies that they could implement that if they did this again would make that better when they felt the frustration, when they felt it, how could they communicate differently so that the result was better. So they all strategize, they come up with their own new rules, and then we did it again. This time we flipped the people, now the belay is going to go up blindfolded and the other person. But anyway, they're the same team, and they just scurried to the top. And so when we were all done and we had a winner, and, um, and we came down and we were talking about what we had learned from that, um, I got a letter about a month later that said that exercise and what we learned from it and what we committed to because of it has changed everything in our practice in terms of our culture and how we relate to one another when the going gets tough, when, the, you know, when, when it heats up, uh, the stress levels go up. We're different now because of that, because of that breakthrough. And so we ended the day, and we, as we always do, with some sort of celebratory it's either a toast or sometimes there's a dinner or, you know, whatever the client wants to do. But, but there's some sort of a celebratory piece that celebrates what we accomplished that day, but also celebrates the future, this new future that we're getting ready to embark upon. And it's just those days are so instrumental in gaining clarity and inspiring people, rebonding the team, helping them have a breakthrough in these behavioral kinds of things. And just really kicking off this new 12 months um, that often is very different than the 12 months previous. And so I do it with my team every year, and our clients do it every year, um, and they have just been fantastic. Um, 
So it doesn't have to be physical things like that. I mean, we can create non-physical uh, exercises that are just as impactful um, if the team is not into, you know, climbing a, a rock wall. But, um, but, but just it can be any. I just wanted to kind of point out it can be as creative as you want it to be, um, and it can be somewhere local to you so that it's not super expensive and. Uh, doesn't require you know overnight stays. I mean, sometimes people fly their teams out here to go to the Wild Animal Park, and that's what they want to do. But it doesn't have to be that way. It can be just something local. And um, so, just I'm just really um, we're just loving doing these, and we see the impact that it's having, and uh, they're just they've just been really um, terrific uh, days uh, for these practices. So I just wanted to share that, and I would love to offer your listeners, that vision kit that I talked about, which not only has the vision questions and kind of walks you through the process, but also has an outline for how you can do a calibration retreat. Um, this is, it's a simple little outline, but it's basically what I just outlined. It gives, kind of gives you the agenda and how you do it. And um, So I'm happy to share that. If someone uh, you know wants to send us an email, I'll give you an email address to send that to. That would be great. What email should they contact? Catherine, to get so if that they vision. Just, if they just put vision kit in the subject line and send it to uh, info, I-N-F-O, at lionspeak.net, not .com, .net, uh, lionspeak. So L-I-O-N-S-P-E-A-K, lionspeak.net. Right, so put vision kit and send it to info at lionspeak.net. That's right. Perfect. You know, I had so much fun today. This is perhaps one of the longer podcasts I've ever done, and so, but I just couldn't put my phone down. It was so interesting. You know, everything <laughs> was sharing. Oh. Thank you well, very much. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. It's a favorite topic, and I hope your listeners got something out of it. And I wish them through the through the internet lines and the telephone lines um, much much success in accomplishing their dreams and leading their people well. Absolutely. I think they would have got a lot out of it. I think definitely, uh, you know, even the Linus principle was very interesting about, you know, bringing out the instincts that people already have instead of, you know, making them memorize scripts. I think, you know, the way you think about leadership, especially around team and, you know, helping the owner have clarity and, and you know, inspire their people with business, you know, vision. And then, of course, having people have their own life vision and then helping them you know, agree or disagree, yes, these two align and we can continue or maybe not. I think there's so much in it and I think I'm just summarizing it at a 10,000 foot level, but I think, you know, by listening <laughs> to it maybe a couple of times, they'll get a ton out of this. I hope so. I hope so. And I so appreciate you inviting me, Naren, to share what we're so passionate about here at Lion Speak. Yeah, I would love to have you back either as a podcast or a Facebook Live event, um, you know, to talk sure. about how you work with, um, you know, the patient side of communications. Sure, sure. We have a whole telephone skills um, protocol that we could talk about and all kinds of different things there. So, yeah, love to. Love to. I look forward to it. Yeah, amazing. Thank you, Catherine, and thank you, everyone, for listening to another amazing episode of Growing Dentist with Catherine, and um, her business is called lionspeak.net.